Jason Stewart, what's up, man? What's up, bro? Are Dude, we live? We're live. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for coming down. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we met through uh, J Pro at Louder. We were both on his podcast, Louder. Yep, yep. Downstairs in the same building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Eleven, eleven. My birthday is one eleven. One eleven. Mine's eleven eleven. What? Yeah. And we're in building eleven eleven. Yeah. That, isn't that weird? What a way to start the podcast. Yeah. There. And and funny. It's funny you say that because I've seen a lot of weird synchronicities lately, uh, like that. And. Uh, yeah, so it's That's funny. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. my birthday's like in a week and a half or something. Yeah, like happy almost birthday. Thank you, man. So tell tell the audience a little bit about you. So uh, I mean, you run a fight promotion. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur. You are in the car rental business, yeah. uh, real estate. Which it's funny because uh, I was looking at buying a plot of land, and the first listing I looked at was your listing, and I messaged you on Instagram. That's crazy. I was like, "Yo, is this you?" You're yeah. like, "Yeah." I got three acres for sale in um, Chula Vista in the industrial zone, where you could do a lot of cool stuff with it. You could, uh, you can make, you can grow marijuana there. You can make like a paintball field if you wanted it's on kind of a steep slope uh, you could use it for storage you could use it for parking trucks if you can figure out how to park them on that steep slope which mm-hmm. would require grading or building some type of uh, ramp or something and what about uh the one i think it was out near miramar right it was like a it was like three quarter acre lot or something the one that i messaged you about oh okay yeah that was probably uh, a listing that i had um i also have 10 acres and uh in Joshua Tree, nice that, that I own. Yeah, so I'm looking for, looking to sell it because I've come to the conclusion that I'm never going to get around, or it's going to be a long time before I get around to do anything with that. I'm just yeah, too busy, have too many projects. You ever or think, or yeah. I'll just give it to someone to run the project on. They can lease it from me or partner or whatever. You ever think of doing like glamping? I know that yeah. that's super po- super oh, popular. Oh, we, we, we had ideas to do a airport strip, you know, where you could actually bring in uh, jets and private jets and helicopters. Yeah. Uh, uh, Burning Man art storage where you could go look at the art kind of in between, go work on it in between the different Burning Mans and then take it out because it's kind of on the way. Right. Uh, We've thought of doing the glamping, uh, the uh, RV storage, um, chicken farm. Remember when the eggs were up? Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Yeah. you got to get chickens out there because the egg price is ridiculous. Um, So we've had a ton of crazy ideas. Skate park. Yeah. Doing a skate park out there in the desert. Beautiful, beautiful land. uh, From what I understand, Uh, I have a friend who's been out there a couple times already since I bought it. I've actually never been there, but I've been Mm -hmm. to Joshua Tree before. And yeah, something about it's very magical. And it's real close to that um, sculpture called Transmissions. Okay, this big it's like a head and some hands and it's uh, very uh, like beautiful, spiritual type of location. Right. Yeah. There's something so serene, too, about the desert because you're not so far from like L.A. or Riverside or San Diego, but it's out there and you're just like no light pollution. You can see the stars. Well, a lot of people have done like those those igloo dome type of things. Yeah. So that's an option to do there as well. Crazy. Like, you know, the whole where the top is clear and you get to look at the stars there. Ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about uh, Epic Fighting. Epic Fighting is a fight promotion. I started in 2010. I was inviting people to my house to work out as I was in real estate, and I was using my experience in the fitness training realm as a give back. So most of the people who lived a life, I'm very big at modeling people who are doing things that you want to do, living a type of life that you want to live. Like I don't want to take advice from someone who's uh, not hitting the goals that I want to hit. Yeah. And so a lot of those people would talk about giving back doesn't have to be financially it doesn't have to be time but it has to be something right 
And so I was like, I know what it'll be. I'll do a fitness training, uh, you know, free workout. Anybody can join. Anyone in the community, any one of my friends can come and just I'll take them through a free full body workout Monday through Thursday. And a guy who came by invited another guy who invited another guy. And um, he was like, hey, you're into MMA. You know, at the time I was, you know, training martial arts. I was training my daughter. My daughter was I was putting a lot of effort and time into training her and she was competing in different types of tournaments and stuff. And um, I said, you have experience in real estate. You have experience in like, you know, you know, a lot of people in the fight gyms, you know, the coaches and the fighters. I'm doing a fight promotion in Albuquerque. After that, I want to do one in San Diego. Maybe you could partner up with me. I said, that sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> then he came to a few more workouts. You know, he was uh, aspiring to be a Navy SEAL. He's a Navy guy. I, I never followed up with him. I wish I could find him. If, you're, if you guys, if he's listening to this, please reach out to me because I haven't talked to him like since. Yeah. But he was really the, a lot of the core inspiration for me starting it. About the third time he came over and asked to partner with him, uh, at this period of time in my life, I was reading four hour work week on repeat. Like I had it on audio, I was reading the book and it was just like completely flipping so many, my ways of thinking on so many things. Yeah. And uh, one of the things was start a muse, like a side business on something that you're passionate about because if you don't have a, a great interest, a great amount of experience in it or a great kind of a attachment to it, you're going to quit. Yeah. Because people quit things too easily. So there has to be some, a little bit bigger of a why on why you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but the book said, most people have no idea what their passion is. You know, they say stuff that sounds good. My passion is to save the wells or clean the oceans or kids in Africa, whatever it is. But when you look at their free time, they're not doing anything towards it. He's like, if you want to know what someone's passionate about, Follow their free time. Mm. So I started looking at my free time. All right, when I'm not working and, you know, what am I doing? I'm training my daughter in martial arts, training myself in martial arts. The only sport I ever want to watch was combat sports. I, right. don't, I don't know who's in the Super Bowl. I don't know who's in the World Series. So I was like, all right, something related to MMA. And as I'm trying to figure out how to create a what he calls a muse or like a side hustle type of business around it, yeah. this guy keeps asking me to do a promotion with him. And I keep telling him that sounds like the worst idea ever. It's going to take up too much time. I'm busy yeah. with real estate and kids. The third time he asked me, I said, oh, shoot, maybe this could be that thing. It is related to MMA. I mean, it's a MMA fight promotion. Yeah. And by the time he did his first event in Albuquerque, I had already built this uh, business up and it looked like a big deal. And we were promoting it. It, it. it looked really impressive. You know, the website looked cool. The social media looked cool. We're promoting the fights and everything that he thought he would add value in, I had already done. So he's like, yeah. I don't really know how to add value. It looks like you've got this and I'm an extremist. So I like, you know, within two weeks, the company was like built up. People were, you know, I'm already putting fights together, the whole thing. I was the yeah. matchmaker for the first event. Right. And he was just like, good luck. If you need any help, let me know. And we crushed <laughs> it on our first show. And back then we used to do one every six weeks. Wow. Damn, every six weeks every is crazy. Every six weeks we would do a show. So we were doing a lot. It was like never take a break, never take a break. And then uh, since then, uh, we made a few changes. We put our sponsors on like a monthly payment plan, commit to a year. Nice. That turned That's us, smart. That turned us from like, are we going to break even this show to profitability? Nice. Because uh, we weren't chasing checks and people sponsoring one show and taking a show off. Like that was very difficult. Yeah. 
you know, you want to sponsor the show. We put your company on everything. The next show you say, I'm going to be out of town, but yeah. count me in for the next one. I can't take you off the canvas. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. I can't take you off the, the backdrop. With I have to print a whole new one now just yeah. because you're. So once we got people to commit to a year and then we decided and, to do it every three months instead of six months. And, and they, sorry to cut you off, but they probably got a much better return on their investment 100%. too because they're consistently advertising. So our, and that's what people, like I was surprised how many small businesses didn't understand advertising. Yeah. With advertising, it's, it's a repetition game. Back in the day when we were kids, if someone saw like your logo or your business or heard your jingle or your slogan seven times, you know, it was kind of stuck. Yeah. Now that number is something like 16 to 20 something times if you're lucky yeah. because you're just getting hit with so much. And so it's like putting a billboard up for a day and then two months later putting up for a day. But if the billboard stays up for a year, yeah. all of a sudden it's like and it's a cumulative effect. Yeah. It's not like you were getting like one lead a week. It's like, no, you were getting one lead a week and then two and then four and then eight and then 16 and it grows exponentially. Yeah. So our... um our retention rate went from like 50% to like 90%. At one yeah. point we didn't have one sponsor that didn't continue after the year. It's like, yeah. it, we had never even heard of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so once you're on for a year, we figured out a way to add value to you, which is different from every, you know, I have a guy right now that wants a sponsor and he's like, please don't give me business. When he first talked about it, I was like, you probably just want to get a permanent VIP table with no advertising because you don't want business. He's like, no, 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 no. I want nothing but brand recognition now. I want to turn this, I don't need more business, but I want to turn this into where people are buying t-shirts and it's like a lifestyle thing and hats with my logo. Now it's all about the branding, the social media. So for him, it's like, okay, you don't just need a table. You need your logo on everything. And yeah. so we figure out, we had a conversation, like if he has an event, we'll get some models to come out there and we'll get uh, you know, we have some fighters that are also beautiful girls that yeah, fight. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, that's exactly what we need for, for this company. And if you could put that together and have them come up to Sacramento, I'll pay for them to come. And I'm like, that's easy for us. But for the average person, that's like a huge value add. You yeah. Know? And and what kind of business is he in? Mm. So he takes uh, big rig trucks like the, um, you know, the ones that, that drive across country and stuff. Yeah. He said the average person who buys them, you know, they spend six figures buying them. They cost as much as an exotic car. People yeah. spend one, yeah. two, three hundred thousand just to buy it. Yep. He said no one ever buys it without putting at least fifty thousand into customizing it. And so he had he had his son run with that division of his company, mm -hmm. and his son is crushing it. And so people will give him fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars just to pimp out these trucks. Yeah. To get the paint on the side to customize the grill and. You know, it's a it's a big thing for like, you know, people want their big rig truck, which they spend more money on these trucks than they spend at their house. than the yeah. average person would ever spend at a job. I mean, for some of them, it's their home and yeah. their work. Yeah. And so it needs to be a reflection of them as a person. And yes. so they if they're going to spend two hundred thousand on the truck, they're going to spend an extra 50 grand to make it theirs. Right. You know? Right. That's pretty cool. So. So what else do you do? So I know you have the exotic cars. Yeah. So um, a lot of the businesses just came from kind of like necessity or from seeing a, a demand in, in the market by way of, of the business. It was almost like vertical integration. So uh, the first spinoff business that we started a long time ago was Epic Promo Girls. <clears throat> so that was like, you know, the goal for Epic Fighting was to make it sexy and classy. 
we want women there with the nice cars and it's fancy and it's cool and um so we got known for like wow these the most beautiful women are at these events right and so i started getting texts and calls from my friends who own businesses can i get some epic girls everyone would just naturally call them epic girls can i get some epic girls for my grand opening can i get some epic girls for the unveiling of the new lamborghini can i get right. some epic girls for our corporate party we're doing a, a poker tournament and can we get some epic girls for this and i had lunch with this guy who i don't know how he reached out to me but he was like a producer for like showtime and hbo and stuff and our this was after our fourth event which was one of our biggest events like by our fourth event we were like turning away tons of people not everyone could fit in the room and it it kind of a lot of people heard about us through that and by way of that heard about me and i was right. asked to be on you know radio tv and stuff like that podcasts were kind of new back then this was yeah. 2010 wow and um and he just wanted to have lunch with me and when i told him that whole piece about the models he said so what's more profitable your model staffing agency or your fight promotion i was like what's a model staffing agency and he just like <laughs> Dude, you don't even know the business you're in. You're leaving so much money on the table. I was just connecting him with mm -hmm. the people, you know, and um, and so yeah, we became like the second largest uh, model staffing agency in San Diego within like six months. Wow. Um, and so the the current business uh, that we have is the exotic cars. And so every event we would have exotic cars, and these were usually friends of mine cars. It's like right. Yeah, I'm gonna give you some tickets. Pull your car up. And it just became more and more of a hassle. Um, they want to show up late or they want to leave early. And it's like, no, like we have yeah. to park it. It's hard to get it's the car back here. there. It's hard yeah. to get it out. Like it's in a very special place. It's it's at the resort next to the water fountain, a place where cars don't typically go. Yeah. We got the models taking pictures with it, you know, whatever. And so eventually I was like, I'm just going to buy these cars myself. I'm yep. Like, and it was kind of an excuse to buy any every dream car that, nice. I, that I ever wanted. And um, yeah, we rent them out to people. So, do you do it on Turo or do you do it on yeah. your own? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Turo's cool because they have their own insurance. And dude, I had a car stolen on Turo. And Wait, really? Yeah, uh, that I rent that I that I rented out as a little little. Uh, so okay, so get this. So, Wait, did you rent the car or was no, no, your car? It was my car that I bought for strictly for the purpose of renting it. And so it got stolen. In dude, this is it's kind of a crazy story. So 2020. Everything's shut down. I'm yeah. bored, right? Uh -huh. But I know that rental cars, there's a massive shortage because they're not getting new cars. So I'm like, Turo's a pretty good business model. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I've, I see it all the time. I know some people that make good money with it. I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to find a good deal on a police car. And I'm going to rent it out on Turo. Because they're cheap, but they're like, you can get an Explorer, which would be Thirty, forty thousand dollars, you know, thirty thousand dollars around this time for a newer one, or you can get a lightly used one with like fifty thousand miles for like thirteen, fourteen thousand. So, and then do a little work to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, fuck it. I flew out. <coughs> bless you. I flew out to uh, this little town called Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I flew into St. Paul, I think, and then they, the dealership, picked me up. Cool little small Midwestern town. Picked me up, took me to their little town, bought the car, and I drove it all the way to Oregon, then all the way down back to San Diego. Mm -hmm. Rented out on Turo, and this thing was going, always booked. And I was making like $100 a day for a rental, which on a car that I just paid, you know, I think 13500 for. Yeah, that's great. Great deal. That's with the warranty and everything, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it was awesome. It was, it was literally a black-on-black -black old, not even old. It was like a 20... 
You remember? Were you around for that? No. Don Don was because Don was supposed to go with it was me on just that a trip. few years old. Yeah, and it's and it's nice, but it, it looks enough like a police car because it has the wheels and the lights and stuff still. But um, it's enough of like an SUV. We took it on a couple road trips and it was great. But anyways, so one day I rented out to this guy, and he's like, "Oh, we're going to be down in National City in Chula Vista, whatever." And then the next day, uh, sorry, the day before he was supposed to bring it back, he extends the rental. He's like, "Hey, do you mind if I keep another day?" Cool. Take it. Yeah. You know, just do it through the app, whatever. So he's like, cool. So he extends the rental. And then the next day, same thing. And then one more day, same thing. So I'm like, it's a little weird, but I do that. You know, when I travel, I'll, I'll get yeah. a rental for a couple of days and then extend, 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 whatever. So I didn't really think much of it. And then the day that we're supposed to pick up the car, he texts me and he's like, hey, I'll be there in, you know, 30 minutes. And then he texts me again, like 10 minutes later. He's like, hey, the car's the car got stolen. What do you mean the car got stolen? So I called him. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I went out there and the car's not there. I'm like, okay, well, where'd you park it? He's like, I parked it in this parking lot of this apartment complex. I'm like, okay, so you think it's stolen? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you don't think that maybe it got towed? He's like, uh, I didn't really think of that, but no, I bet it got stolen. So, so something's just like not up, not adding up, right? So I'm like, all right. And then uh, I drive down to where he was and, you know, I just asked him for the address, didn't tell him I was going and drove around and got out and looked. There was some broken glass in the area where he said he parked it, but his story wasn't adding up. And usually when somebody's story isn't adding up, Mm -hmm. something's off, they're probably lying. So Mm -hmm. I just knew something was up. And so I, you know, whatever, nothing I can do, call the insurance uh, through Turo and they're like, okay, cool. We're going to open up a claim. And they're like, what do you think happened with the car? I'm like, well, we're super close to Tijuana. It's a police car. It's four wheel drive. I bet it's in Mexico. Like that's pretty common here, you know? And they're like, oh, well, I bet we'll find the car within 30 days. I'm like, okay, good luck. But you know, these were Mexican guys and they were with their family and you know, it just, I, something just fell off about it. Yeah. And, and the kid that rented it was super nice, but some of the people that were with them, it was just like two different groups and I could be wrong, but I, I think they probably rented it with the intention to take it to, to TJ because so I get paid out, right? Like 45 days later, they pay me out. I make like $6,000 on the car. They paid me out because the car went up in value because of COVID. Yeah. So they pay me out. I'm happy. And then a couple months later, we get a call from California Highway Patrol. And they're like, hey, uh, we have your vehicle. And I had signed the title over to the insurance. Like it was no longer my car. Right. But apparently they never registered anything with the DMV. They never did anything. So I get a call from CHP and they're like, hey, we have your car. It's in like San Ysidro or somewhere. We found your car. Uh, come get it. And they're being super short with me. I'm like, well, it's not my car anymore. I, you know, explain. Yeah. They're like, you have to come get it. It's registered to you. You need to come get it. Huh. Like I'm not coming get in that car because yeah. I got paid out. I don't want to come get it and then you know, I already got paid. I'm not trying to get greedy here. Like right, right, right. that's not my car anymore. So good luck. Mm-hmm. But they found it in Mexico and they apparently, did. yeah, they found it in Tijuana and then brought it back over. That's interesting. They found it and brought it back. I know. I that's why felt- I was confused because I was like, Oh, CHP. So you guys found it here. And they're like, no, it looks like it was found in Tijuana and now they brought it over here. So, so interesting. So yeah, I had a um, Ferrari that got stolen, not through a rental or anything. It's crazy, I had four claims in like a matter of a year and I've never had a claim in my life. But also statistically, I never had more than one car in my life and ended up buying like 10 cars in a year. So 
chances of having a claim is higher. Bad luck, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, a Lamborghini got totaled. A Ferrari got stolen. A Maybach got uh, crashed. <clears throat> Another Lamborghini got like a fender bender. And uh, all through Turo? Other no, than the ones, none, of none of it. Of none of it was through a rental. While you were uh, driving? Um, no. Well, stolen was just stolen. It was right. like, in my parking lot. Uh, my friend was driving the Lamborghini. He just got hit. 100% her fault, but, you know, yeah. insurance still has to pay out because no one has enough insurance to cover uh, Lamborghini, Lamborghini yeah. apparently. Um, and so they were giving me such a hard time because they saw that some of these cars had been on Turo before. But I'm like, this had nothing to do with rent. Like, right. I never I had one incident with a renter um, and Turo paid it out. It was just like they they hit something and broke the. Um, yeah, it's Liberty like uh, Mutual, right? Is there insurance? I don't company? remember, but yeah, they they just paid it out. It wasn't a big deal. I paid the deductible. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the four claims were like all not renter related at right. all. But it didn't look good. But yeah, I had a Ferrari got stolen, and then people I I started putting on social media, and it got shared on other car accounts because I was tagging other car accounts, and they started sharing it, and then they started. So they spotted it in TJ and then they spotted it. Oh, no. Oh, well, it's a pretty easy car to spot then. Yeah. It was was a silver. They called it the silver bullet. It was a a silver Ferrari with the black wheels and the black interior. I'd never seen another one like it. It was a pretty rare mix. And so, um, yeah. And then it got spotted like in Sinaloa or something like that, like a few days later. Yeah. And so I tried calling the police and they they were like, call us back on Thursday. Like, what like, in Mexico you're saying no 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 so I when I first saw it in TJ yeah I called the police like hey there's you know there was like a Costco down there it was in the parking lot yeah like guys like I think you know I don't know what you guys would do but if you yeah. act fast like you might be able to get it back like I don't like at this point I've had too many claims I was like I'm hoping to just get the car back I don't even want to do the insurance stuff yeah anymore yeah yeah you know they're, they're they they had been co- trying to come up with excuses not to pay me yeah so I don't want to go through that stress like and they were, it was like a Tuesday. They're like, okay, well, call us back on Thursday when so-and-so was in. I was like, you guys really have no motivation to get this car Well, it's back. in TJ, too. Like, so what happened? Do you ever get it back or no? No. And thank God they paid it out. They, yeah. yeah. All of them, they, they paid out all the claims. Huh. But it was stressful. Like, they wouldn't pay me for, like, eight months, a year. Yeah, they try to push it out. Yeah, have to have them to do, like, deposition and swear under oath and all this stuff. It's just like, oh, God. And they're coming up with excuses. Like... The Lamborghini, they were like, well, he shouldn't have been speeding. I'm like, who said he was speeding? He got hit by someone. Thank goodness I had a tracker in the car. Yeah. The tracker showed, showed the, speed. the speed. I was like, yeah. you guys are dirty. You guys yeah. just came up with that and said that he was speeding. Yep. Literally, he was going six miles under the speed limit. Yeah. Like we have, thank God we had that proof because they yeah. were like just thinking of reasons to not pay out. You yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it's a, it's a cool business model. I feel like it's kind of risky when you get into the higher tier. Like, what do you think renting it out? Um, I mean, for me, it's not my most profitable business at all. It's not something that I put like, you know, real estate is kind of number one and Epic fighting is up there. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be doing it if it, if it didn't give me access to cars that like excite me. Right. You know, if, yeah. it's, if it's not like some type of an exotic car, then I wouldn't be excited about it. So yeah, I for sure. Yeah. And the other thing I like about the higher end cars is um, I like meeting those those types of people. The right. Pe- the people who can drop a thousand dollars a day on a car. It's like, all right, what do you do? Like and I usually when I have conversations with those people, I learn something. So hmm. um, I remember I had one 
it was like an old Honda or, or Toyota or something that I kind of put on for um, someone else. I was like, all right, I'll add it to my fleet and we'll split the profit, whatever. And it was someone that we went above and beyond, personally drove them back to the airport when they didn't even pay like extra for like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, they left like our first not five star review. And left I was just like. There's always going to be a Karen. It's out always going to be a Toyota guy. Like yeah. the Lamborghini guys never do that. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like, unless you do something to really piss them off, like they would rather not leave a review than to be petty and leave like a three star review or something like that. And I just couldn't believe that these people out of all the people, I think it was like a four star review, but I was like crushed. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You right. Know? Yeah. At that time we had only had five star reviews. Um, God, so four yeah, star review is the dumbest. It's like, what? A four-star review, and usually they're like, "Oh yeah, everything was great. We everything really liked it." But there was this one thing that we kind of, you know, it's yeah. like, "Why, why not?" They're like, "Everything five was five stars at this one thing." Well, then round up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what I found was like, you know, it, it. I learned it in real estate. So like my first year in real estate, I like, you know, broke a lot of records because I had sold like I forgot what it was, seventeen or eighteen homes. It was like a lot, you know, yeah. especially for like a rookie. Yeah. But they were all like eighty thousand dollar price range, you know, little little condos and stuff like that. And um, and it was in San Diego. Uh, yeah. Oh so man, been, now now those things are probably worth way more. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, I remember that was kind of like my niche. You yeah. Know, I'm 24 years old. I'm in the real estate market. I could relate to these people that you know. Yeah. Like first time home buyers or what a was lot your... of first time home buyers, and every deal was like putting together six pieces to a puzzle. It's yeah. Like, all right, if we go through this program, we can get your down payment. If we go through this program, they'll help pay your taxes. And if we can go through this program, you get, you know, first time home buyer. Well, they'll pay like, you know, the other out of your 20% down payment. We got one program for the 3%, another program for the 17%. I remember I helped one girl, Luce, who's still a friend of mine to this day. I've helped her buy and sell several properties since then. And I actually bought one property off of her myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, her first property that I helped her buy, which became a stepping stone for a lot of other ones, there was six different loans and grants for her to buy this. I think it was like a hundred seventy thousand dollar condo. Right, six like all put together, and we could not sell that thing to save our lives because all six of them had to be fulfilled. The market had kind of like went through an adjustment. Um, but it was like imagine how much work it is to get six different grants and loans approved. I mean, it was just. Then I realized like, oh, when you work on higher end properties, they're either writing a check for the whole thing or they're putting 20% or more down. Right. And they're getting a loan for the rest. The credit is great. There's no this and that. They require way less work and they're way more grateful. Yeah. Versus the people that you bend over backwards who's getting the, you know, 100,000, 200,000. They're like, you know, you do everything right. And then there's a little bit of turbulence, which there's no such thing as a real estate transaction without turbulence. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, well, I'll think about it if someone wants to buy sitting in your way. What? Yeah. You know, so. Um, I can imagine. Same thing with the cars. Okay. It's like never never get a bad review from someone renting a McLaren or a Bentley yeah. or a Maybach. Right. Typically, like it's just a higher caliber. You know, these, these people are typically, um, they've become successful because they have higher standards. And right. people who have higher standards for themselves are typically uh, vibrating at a higher frequency. Yeah. So let's talk about frequency and stuff. I'm glad that you went there because, um, I'm a big believer in some of the stuff that we can't see, right? Energy is huge. Everybody's got a vibrational 
you know, meter on where mm-hmm. they are. You obviously vibrate super high. I try to as well. Thank you. What, what do you think about energy? I mean, just in terms of how people show up and in business and stuff like that. Because what you seem like you're saying is people who have good energy, people who are doing positive things, aren't throwing negative energy into things, right? right. So the higher quality customers, maybe yeah. they're vibrating higher and they have mm-hmm. their focus in a different direction. What, what do you think? No, I completely agree. I think Tesla said it best when he said, uh, to understand the universe, we have to think in terms of frequency versus matter. Everyone's thinking about matter and chemical reactions and stuff, but it's, it's really about frequency. Like this table has more space than it does solid matter. Yeah. Like there's more space in between the atoms than there are atoms. And it's just, this is a certain frequency of it vibrating. Um, you know, the experiments where they'll put a, a piano there'll be a piano in the room and they strike a C chord on a guitar and the same C chord on the piano will start to vibrate because yeah. it's tuned to that frequency. The same thing happens with humans. Like if you're in victimhood, anger, complaint, you attract those people. Yeah. And people like us make them feel uncomfortable. So they will, it's like a magnets on, on the, um, yeah. The when they side. push it, it's kind of pushing them away. Like what? I can't, complain about my life and talk about oh what was me because you guys won't have it you guys won't want to stay in the same room you guys will look at like what are you talking about what yeah are you complaining about go fix it you know yeah and so it's it's uh the the more you can work on your vibrate i used to you know jay pro who was just in here he used to always talk about you know logistics and plans and like if i could do this i'll make more money if i could do it's like bro you're doing it backwards. You're putting the cart before the horse. Yeah. Get on the frequency of having the wealth, of having the abundance, of having the health, of having the relationships that you want. And then they'll come into play. Yeah. So it works both ways. Like if you'd make a big business deal and you make some money, you're you're vibrating there and is you're more likely for you to go make another business deal. Your confidence right. is up, yeah. your vibration is up. You know, you were able to close a deal and build rapport with someone on that caliber. Now you're vibrating on that and you could more likely to do it again. But what people don't, people get that. People understand that. Like I feel motivated. I feel confident and all these hormonal changes when that happens, you get a, you get a raise at your job or whatever. Like literally like your testosterone goes up, right? Like different things change in you, you know, they, there's monkeys where if the alpha dies and everyone's like, well, you should probably be the leader of us now. Their nose completely goes through this change or like really? the, you know, different types of more, like all yeah. the complete hormone change. And you could always spot who's the alpha because it looks completely different from all the rest. Damn. But they go through that change because it's like, now you're the leader. It's yeah. Like, oh shoot. I got to step up. Yeah. Uh, and people understand that. But what people don't understand is you can give yourself the feeling beforehand to make the, thought of reality to make the dream uh, come to fruition. And that's what a lot of successful people understand. You know, we call it manifesting now and it's a fancy word, but it's a hundred percent true. Like the more you can get into that vibration of having that person in your life, of, of being on that trip where you want to go of, of um, you know, having the money. The problem with money is people have big money goals. I want to have a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. I want to make a hundred thousand a year. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be, have a net worth of a million dollars. What they fail to do. A reason why a lot of people don't hit those goals is they, they fail to put a feeling beside it because the money itself doesn't really give you a feeling. 
it's what the possibilities it creates right. that gives you a feeling. Yeah. So instead of saying $100,000, you say, um, I'm going to be driving this car. Mm. And you picture yourself holding that steering wheel and driving around that car and how people look at you and what it feels like to get out of that car. Yeah. Or I'm going to go on this trip. Right. Or, um, you know, my family gets to eat at these restaurants and I'm not stressed out about it. Yeah. And you start putting like a why behind the why and actually putting something tangible because money itself is like, you know, I know people with millions of dollars that never do anything exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then right. I know people without a lot of money that live a really full life. But money is energy, and this energy can create a whole different reality for you. Right. Like if someone just deposited $100 million in your bank account right now, it's like your whole life can change instantly. Yeah. Like the way we travel is going to change. The, the people we hang out with can change. The, the things we have access to. You know, I've always wanted to go to Dubai or Fiji or New Zealand, and now we're going to create memories. And once you start tuning into to that, yeah. then you start getting more excited of what that million dollars means. Right. Yeah. But so many people just have a monetary goal. Yeah. And it's like, all right. And then what? You know? Right. Well, you're saying like attracts like, and what I really like about that is you, most people know this by when they're really trying to be in a relationship, right? They want, oh, they so badly want to find their soulmate. They so badly want to go meet this person. And that never happens if they're going out there and searching and trying to make and trying to force anything, relationship, right. money, business, friendships, whatever it is. Women can, can smell <clears throat> desperation. Yeah. The universe can too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like my girlfriend, like when I met her and we've been together for, you know, four years now and we got a baby on the way and oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. But, but, but before that, right? Like I had tried to force so many things and then it was when I let go and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to work on myself. And I got super happy and super, uh, changed my vibration. And yeah. all of a sudden we just lined up and it happened. So frictionless, mm -hmm. you know, uh, instead of putting so much effort, effort into chasing what you want, put that effort into becoming the type of person that would attract that. Right. So when you think of like your dream girl, it's like, all right, what if you actually find her? What if you catch up to her? What if you end up at a place where she is and then you get to run up to her? It doesn't mean she's going to want you. Yeah. Instead, yeah. work on becoming the person where she, you know, a, a woman like her would seek, seek you out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's the same thing with, with everything. Um, there's, there is the kind of like the, the forced manifestation but then there's the attraction manifestation mm -hmm. where you just kind of like, you don't overthink the how. Yeah. But you stay in tune with the why and the who, like mm -hmm. the who you need to become, what type of person you need to become. And yeah. There's tons of um, exercises and I find myself slacking all the time and then getting back on track and doing these exercises. And every time I'm consistent with these exercises, like magic starts happening. Yeah. And I fall off my game all the time, like, like anyone else. But um, you know, there's the vision boards, there's the, the goals. There you go. I love it. There's the, um, writing down the vision of the future you, where yep. you actually write down in description Dude, who Dan this person Fulkerson. is. So uh, do you know Dan Fulkerson? He's a good friend of mine. So yeah. Dan, he's a sponsor for Epic Fighting. Is he? Okay, yeah. cool. So Dan, do you know about Dan's letter to, uh, I think it was a letter. Was it a letter to himself or a letter to his best friend? 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's from Idaho, n- doesn't have any ties to San Diego. And when he's in like fifth grade, sixth grade, whatever, he wrote this letter to himself as like a school project they had everybody do. Yeah. And he said all of this stuff about, uh, you know, here's my address. This is where I live. And it was like in San Diego and he had a business and he does like describe literally his life now. Yeah. And him and I looked and he actually found that letter. And I punched in the address that he had put in the letter. It was like some fictional address. Yeah. And it's like a block and a half from his house. That's insane. Insane, right? Like how, I mean, I remember him and I, when we found that, we were like sitting there like, dude, what the hell? So this manifestation stuff is real. Yeah, I had a vision board and I put on there, um, you know, I'm just cutting stuff out of magazine and added it on there. And I was like, okay, I definitely want an SUV. What's a really nice SUV? And it was like, we found a silver Range Rover put it on there and then I was like I was really into watches in my 20s you know yeah. so the watch that I wanted was the uh it was a bright a Bentley Breitling watch it was like oh, the wow. bright the yeah. Breitling Bentley edition and I wanted the one with the Havana back which was like this kind of brown back but the only one I could find in a magazine had the white back it was like the pearl or whatever so I was like all right same thing I'll put it on there and when I go to get one I'll have the I'll get the one with the Havana back obviously. right right Fast forward, the, the vision board ends up falling behind the dresser. It's back there for like six or nine months. I hadn't even seen it. I can't even remember what's on there. I've made so many at this point. Uh, the mother of my children who we were living with at the time, I was living with, and she comes home with this car. I was at the dealership just looking, and they let me test drive this car, and like we have to have it. So I was like, absolutely not. Like We don't need that type of bill. I've heard that those cars have a lot of problems. Range Rovers? Yeah. Yeah. And she just kept pushing it, pushing it. And uh, next thing you know, we have this car and it's sitting there. Uh, they, that's back when the economy was going down after 2008. It might have been nine or 10 or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, somebody posts up that they're getting rid of the Breitling watch. And I inquire about it. These are, these are $10,000 watches. This person's trying to let it go for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. I ask questions about it and uh, I end up getting the watch. I find the vision board and I pull it out like I was doing deep cleaning, yeah. pull it out. It's all dusty. It's been behind the dresser for like six or nine months or whatever. And I look and the exact same car, which I forgot, uh, that's on there. Same year, same color, same yeah. interior is in our driveway. And the exact same watch with the pearl back is in my watch collection. Yeah. And it was like the eeriest, spookiest feeling. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I didn't even remember that I had put those on there. It was in your subconscious mind. It was in the subconscious. And do you see that, that Rolex that's on the top of that? Yeah. That's, I have that watch now just with the different color face, but same one. Um, and the, yeah, a lot of the, I'm constantly having to update this thing because things happen all the time. Like, you know, I had my, my blue belt on there forever, which I got to update that. But, um, But yeah, yeah. But you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy what happens when we plant seeds in our subconscious mind. Yeah. So I, John Asareff talks about it on actually the movie, the secret. And for, for those of you who've seen the secret, you've, you've heard this story, but John's actually, he's a local guy here in San Diego. He's, he's a really cool guy. Josh worked with John, right? Did you walk with John Asareff? No, not him. Uh, Josh, where's Josh? Is he here today? No. Anyways. But he talks about that where, um, he's working in his home office and his son is like sitting on one of his boxes, kicking his feet. And he's like, what's in this box, dad? And he's just like, Oh, those are my vision boards. And he's like, what's that? What's the vision board? And he's like, Oh, so he takes a break. He's like, it's kind of hard to explain. Let me just show you. And he pulls out, and there's like a bunch of old vision boards that he had. He just threw it in a box when he was moving. 
and he pulls it out. They had been living in this house for a year and still hadn't finished like all the decorating and all the unpacking. You know, he'd been busy. Uh, he was from Canada, just mm -hmm. made it to San Diego. And he pulls on the first vision board that he pulls out, shows all these pictures of the house, like this dream house that one day he'll move from Canada to San Diego. It's the house he's living in. Yeah. He had been living in that house for a year and didn't even know that it was the exact same house that he had on his vision board. He just broke down crying. Yeah. In front of his son. Like, yeah. You know, you hear stories like that all the time. Well, it's crazy because I had always, when I was younger, always, I don't know why I wanted to go on a private jet, like, which really it's, I mean, I guess I know why, but I was like obsessed with flying on a private jet, mm -hmm. even if it was just once. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had it up on my vision board on that same exact board mm -hmm. years ago and went on the jet, went back and looked at some of the videos and it was literally the same interior, same, I mean, a little different, but right. It was it that was it, you know, it's like and it makes you think, like, do we live in this holographic universe where we're creating our own reality? Like yeah. when you think of the double slit experiment, have you heard of that? It, yeah, where they shoot particles through and yeah. when you observe them, they do one thing. And when you don't observe them, they do another. Yeah. And the only difference is if you observe. Yeah. Scientists cannot figure it out. Yeah. It's like the in in uh easier way to digest because it's one of the hardest things to like first understand and then it's even harder to explain to somebody else but it's like that theory of you know if a tree falls in the wood and someone isn't there to hear it did it really happen like it's almost you know in a video game if this is a video game right and you're looking at a character in front of you and you turn this way and now you only see what's in your field of view here the stuff that was over there dematerializes in the game right to save rendering power and whatever it's right. like it basically says that unless you're observing something things don't exist that's crazy which is just like you know and that's my con maybe hopefully there's some physicist physicist in there that can light me up on that but um the world is not what we were taught it is i feel like yeah and when you're talking about frequencies it's the same thing as if you try to you know, if you're listening to 90.3, you know, today's hits and hip hop, R&B, whatever, you could be on there all day and never hear a classical song, never hear a country song. Meanwhile, right here in the air amongst us is 97.3 country FM. Yeah. It's right there, but you're never going to hear it because we're tuned into 90.3 or 91X. I'll tell you, you know, so. All of these frequencies are right in front of us. It's just that, you know, this frequency, this frequency. And so it's the same thing. Like if you're never on the frequency of that go or that go or the abundance or whatever, you're never going to hit it. You have to be on the frequency of what that feels like. You have to be vibrating there to yeah. to get in touch with those people to help make that goal happen to to, you know, and the reticular activating system is a perfect example. Yep. Like, you know, you. um the red car theory. The red car theory. You know, pregnant, you pregnant girls see yes. pregnant people. Anyway. When I, I remember, you know, I have three kids of my own, and every single time that I was having a baby, that's all I saw was pregnant people. Dude, I was Half just thinking, because my girlfriend's pregnant, I was just thinking that today on yeah. how many, and maybe you just pick up, like, when somebody slightly looks pregnant because you watch the evolution of it with your partner, mm -hmm. but... Anyways, keep going. But you're on that frequency now. Yeah. You're on the frequency to notice it when you're looking for a red convertible BMW. Yep. All of a sudden they're everywhere. Where were these cars? They were always there. Yeah. But you didn't notice it. So you can you can only tune into what 
you train your brain subconsciously to tune into. And then all of a sudden consciously you start seeing it all yeah. over the place. And the same thing, there's opportunities all around us. Yes. You just have to pick one. Well, there's a million opportunities around you at all times. We could look at this table and be like, oh my gosh, this inspires me for an idea. I could do something with this and you know, connect the dots somehow. And with this table right here, turn it into a million dollar business. Yeah. But you have to be on the frequency for long enough to make that happen. Yeah. And what I've noticed is most people, the reason why people don't have the life that they want, right? Because they know what they need to do, really. Like they, there's actionable steps that they can do to go live the life that they want, but they don't do it because they're not focused on that. They're focused on survival instincts. Right. They're in they're completely flooded with stress hormones, yeah. cortisol, adrenaline, all these things because they're running late on their bills. They think mm -hmm. their partner is going to leave them. They're stressed out. So they're constantly, they're not looking for opportunity because opportunity right now isn't going to keep them alive. Getting food on the table, paying the rent so they're not out of a shelter, like those things are, you know, which is why I always harp on don't go out with the goal of trying to make millions of dollars when you first start a business or you first whatever, right? Start and just get to the point where your bills are paid and you have like six months of your living expenses saved up because you don't worry as much about the dumb stuff. And all of a sudden you realize, holy shit, there's an opportunity in front of me the whole time that I was missing because I was so focused on not dying. Yeah. Like survival mode and abundance mode are opposite ends of the spectrum. And it, I, sometimes when you're in survival mode, it is very difficult. You know, you do your vision board, your affirmations, your goal setting, and you have to do it. You have to do it and try to get out of it. But yeah, it's difficult when you're getting stuff in the mail saying this is due, that is due. Yo, when I'm going to get my money and but it needs to be done. I remember there was a guy who um, what company did he start? I think it was Remax or one of the big companies. And he was just like owed everyone money. He was like on the verge of bankruptcy and didn't want to answer any phone calls. And everybody was calling him like debt collectors every day. And he decided to just confront it. Yeah, he said. I'm going to be doing very well. I hope that you're patient with me. I will be paying you back. It's going to take me some time. Every time I make some money, I'm going to give you a little bit, but I do have to feed myself and my family and, you know, work with me. And a lot of the people respected him for that. Yeah. Because most people are just like. They're, they're, they're ducking him. Yeah, they're ducking him. And he, instead of going the bankruptcy route, he just confronted everything head on, came up with a plan, kept putting himself into abundance. You know, instead of that negative energy coming from these collectors, he created a positive relationship with a lot of them. Yeah. And he eventually paid everyone back and became yeah. very successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, it's it's energy transmutation, right? Where you take energy and you can, you know, uh, like like uh, you ever read The Alchemist? Yes. Um, the Alchemist is by. Uh, wait. Paulo Coelho. Paulo Coelho. Yeah. Brazilian guy. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He wrote that book and it didn't do well. Really? He wrote that book. It didn't do well for years. Didn't sell for Jack. And then for some reason it had like a resurgence, hmm. like a couple, couple people read it and it was very transformational to them. And they kind of had like a, a republishing of it or something like that. Yeah. And then, you know, Will Smith got a hold of it and he talked about it and all these other people started talking about it. And I wonder if I when it was with, when it was first released, if it was released in Portuguese. Possibly. And then they maybe put it in English. But I think even then they had it in a lot of languages. And yeah. it just wasn't really doing that well. But huh. he's an amazing writer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he, yeah. I mean, you, you can tell by that book. Like his style of writing is very special. But it's interesting how there's that kind of like um, dormant phase. Right. So what, what I 
equate that to. It's kind of like the seed. The seed could be in the ground for years and years and years before the conditions are just right for it to, you know. Right. No one knew who the heck Obama was. Yeah. But he was working on his public speaking and his relationship building and his articulation and this and that. And then all of a sudden, he's, you know, he's the president. And that, that's with a lot of people. Like, oh, wow. Like overnight success. Yeah. In one year you blew, you blew up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the 20 years before I was perfecting my craft and never knew if I would. What's that? Uh, Matt Rife, that comedian. Yes. He said he was about to quit. He's like one of the biggest comics right now. Yeah. A couple of his videos went. Like he hated TikTok and someone said, you have, you know, you're, if you're going to make content, you might as well post it on TikTok too. Yeah. Right. He made a TikTok account. He posted a few things, nothing hit. I told you it was stupid. He posted one more and he was just like, I'm going to quit comedy. And then, but he had been perfecting. He, you know, he has this, this comedy style where he banters back and forth with people and yeah. asks them questions and just right off the dome. It's super talented. Yeah. But none of us would know his name if he didn't just do that one more and then a video went viral. Like yeah. no one would know his talent because he would only be known by the few thousand people who saw him live. You right. Know? Yeah. And now yeah. it's like millions of people watch him on repeat all the time. Yeah. We we had Greg Reed. Do you know Greg Reed? A good friend of mine. Yeah. We had Greg yeah, I was in. with him. Uh, just, yeah, I'm with him often. I was with him like couple weeks ago nice and greg wrote two feet from gold which is three feet from three gold. feet from gold i mm -hmm. always say two feet he wrote three feet from gold yeah. and the whole concept of that if you guys don't know is a lot of people give up in the the book it's about a gold miner who's well i mean do you know yeah 100 percent. yeah it's a gold miner who had been mining gold made a lot of money he hit a he hit a um a rock where it was just like you know the, the gold had ended and so he was just like, I'm done. You know, that's all the gold that's going to be here. And he sold, sells all of the equipment and land, I think, or whatever it was, uh, to the passerby. Some dude just walking by is like, for a thousand bucks, you can have all my picks and axes and wheelbarrows and the great deal. But the guy's not going to take it with him, you know? Yeah. And all the guy does is he goes and he gets, uh, he hires a surveyor. And he's like, oh, okay, so this was the gold vein. This was like rock that interrupted the vein. But if you go three feet through this rock, the gold vein will continue. And so as he continued, that was all the gold that fills Fort Knox. A lot of it fills Fort Knox to this day, but it Damn. was like millions. And today it would be like billions of dollars worth of gold. Yeah. Uh, and that guy went on to be an insurance salesman. Um, the guy who sold it for a thousand dollars when yeah. he could have just been set for the rest Forever. of his life. Damn. But um, and the moral of that story is, most of us quit three feet from the, from gold, like, you know, steps from the opportunity. If they would have just been persistent on that one thing. So many people, they go this way and then they go this way and mm -hmm. then they go this way and they keep trying new things. Right. Or they try multiple things at the same time. Yeah. But if you could just focus on one thing and put a lot of effort into it, that one thing can be successful. Yeah. Any business can be a anyone can turn one business into a multimillion or even billion dollar business. But you can't do that with four things at the same time. And so the only commonality between successful people, it's not IQ, it's not how you were raised, who your parents were, how much money you have, where you grew up, none of that. Yep. The only commonality is they kept trying longer than other people. They yeah. were, it was just persistence. Right. He, he wrote another book called Stickability. Yep. And Stickability was like the, the new age kind of, um, you know, three feet from gold or, th or, or think and grow rich. And he interviewed all these successful people, same as they did in the think and grow rich. And the one thing that was consistent amongst all of them is just stickability, persistence. Yeah. That's it. Right.
That's it. IQ doesn't matter. Like matter of fact, a lot of smart people have analysis paralysis. They yes. overthink everything. Yeah. They got good at school, which is one version of, of intelligence. And they got so good at it that it's like, if you don't give me the exact instructions for me to follow to a T, I don't know what to do. Where if you're trying to solve problems, no one's giving you the instructions or else the problem will be solved. Right. You have to figure it out how to solve this, this problem. Right. And that's what creates the invention or the idea or the business. You know, it's, it's Steve Jobs saying, I want one button on this phone. Yes. And now we all have iPhones with like no actual physical buttons on the front, you know, but yeah. at the time it was like, no, more buttons are better. Yeah. And it's impossible to have no bike. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, seeing the world different and thinking bigger. I mean, that's why this podcast is called Thinking Bigger because most people, we naturally have this narrow, you know, focus on things that really have nothing to do with how we live our lives. You know, I, I look at how most people live their lives and they go to a job that they don't like just so they can pay bills to go live in a house that they don't even spend time in because they're either sleeping or they're at work or driving to work yeah. to pay for a car to impress somebody they don't even like mm -hmm. to maybe go on like one or two vacations a year, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and you, most of the time working on that whole vacation. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, that, that's, that was drilled <laughs> into my head at a young age by watching fight club. Have you seen fight club? Of course. Yeah. We, we work jobs that we hate to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And that whole movie, you know, cause I was ambitious as a young person, like, oh, if I work hard, I'll be able to buy the cool car and the, this and that, and you know, have the things and the clothes and this. And it was like, holy shit, that completely changed my whole paradigm. Like, yeah. what is the end goal? Like, you know? Yeah. And so that, that movie was such an impact on me. I remember like I couldn't produce words for like three days after watching that movie. I didn't say one word and it was just like a complete switch because you know, growing up in school, it's like, yeah, you're going to go to school and then maybe you go to college. Yeah. Your happiness is next. So you can you're buy, gonna be there. you know, so you can buy the house yeah. that you'll live in and then you can buy the furniture and the car and this completely flipped it. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that change the way you looked at the world? I mean, it's kind of like that, all of a sudden you're realizing like, oh, I'm a rat in this rat race. Yeah, right? it was a double whammy. It, it made me less attached to material things. And at the same time, if you notice in the movie, they do all types of different things to get money so they don't have to work. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so I need income, but the type of income that you want to eventually have is passive income. So I need to work to buy assets versus liabilities. And so everything I buy... Now I think of a way to turn it into an asset for the most part. So yeah. like with the cars, it's like, yeah. yes, I want to drive a McLaren, a Lamborghini, a Bentley, a Maybach, a, the slingshot, like all the fun cars. I want that. Yeah. But could, could it pay for itself? Could it, you know, could I buy something that could appreciate? Yeah. You know, like I would, I, I like watches used to be into my watches in my twenties. haven't bought a watch since. Yeah. I haven't bought one watch in my thirties. None of it. Um, but if I did buy a watch now, it'd be one that I would think could appreciate. Yeah. Or the way my, my brain works is like, will it appreciate? Can I flip it or can I rent it out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if I could rent out the watch and have interest or something like that, that's yeah. the way my brain works. So right. Uh, right now I'm in the process of buying an island in Belize. I don't want the island just to visit it two weeks, you know, this part of the year and two weeks this part of the year. Like, no, this thing needs to generate income to at the very least pay for itself. We got to connect him with uh with Billy. Yeah. You know Billy McFarland? 
Fire Festival dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we we went out to New York and interviewed him. And, oh uh, really? Yeah, he's uh, interesting dude. But he, he what's might, he up to? He's putting on Fire Festival, dude. He's, Is he he's, gonna do it? Yeah, he's doing. I mean, he they did the first one, which obviously failed. But yeah, Billy's whole thing is like, I wanna. But he hasn't done one since the big failure. Right? No, Billy but he's. Done. I connected him with uh, with somebody who's helping him fund. I mean, it, it was just such a weird like way all of that worked out. Billy, you know what's crazy? I, like that's been brought up in conversation, and people are like, "There's no way anyone will ever trust him again." Yeah, I think that if his energy's in the right place, if he's learned, you know, if he's grown and he's learned from his mistake. Yeah, I think people will still back him on that yeah and and i mean his I reputation but <laughs> see but here's the thing right his rep I, I was listening to grant cardone in an interview yesterday he was uh being interviewed by i can't remember who it was but his whole point was like he knew this guy in his hometown that would always go to this bar and he would just fight every weekend and he wasn't even good at fighting this guy would get his ass kicked right but everybody, because this guy would go out and fight every weekend, they just knew. Eventually, nobody wanted to fight him, and they everybody knew who this guy was. He built this brand, and it's that whole, there's no such thing as bad PR. You know, mm. like, Billy fucked up and lost all of his credibility. However, he built a massive brand, yeah. and there's a small group of people that will bet on that, right? And He's people still, when they see what his dream was, even though the dream didn't have it, people still believe in that dream. Like, yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah. Like, I would do something similar to what he did. I'd probably do it on a much smaller level, but, like, this island I'm buying in Belize is nothing like what he was trying to do, but I'm going to actually own the island. So, you know, it's not something where thousands of people can go to. It's, it's a couple acres or whatever. Yeah. But... You know, that is kind of motivation to do something similar to what he did. And then that may lead to the bigger island. I'm also looking at like Costa Rica. I want to buy something with a waterfall on hundreds of acres. My friend Regan Helier has 600 acres. And I just found one with 632 acres that has some waterfalls on it. Got to one up him. Um, <laughs> there's another one that has like 150 acres, but it has like seven farms. And the property line goes to the base of the tallest waterfall in Costa Rica. Wow. And so that one is Beautiful, beautiful and i mean 100 even even 50 acres is a yeah. lot of land but yeah with regan i did come up with the number 600 just because there's a 600 yeah and so when i saw one with 632 i was like this basically is exact criteria <laughs> this might be the one so so who knows but she's killing it regan is killing it. if you could ever get a chance to get her on your podcast i mean she's on all over mind valley and everything like that yeah yeah i've known her for for many years good friend of mine and she's with uh, a relationship with this guy wampa and Wampa's a Brazilian guy, and they're just both crushing it. They're 600 acres. They call it the nest, and they do these retreats. And nice. Do they do, like, the ayahuasca stuff down there, or is it? That. Okay. Yeah, they do that and a whole bunch of other stuff. But you want to talk about a girl learning to manifest. A girl yeah. who was an introvert who had been in abusive relationships, who had $8.70 when she came to America wow. to create this multi-multi-million-dollar empire of influencing people all over the world. It's yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, anybody can do it. That's really cool. And thank God she got exposed to that. Like she had a mentor that exposed and taught her how to do it and got her to be consistent. Well, let's talk about mentors, right? Like the reason why I built this business and the podcast and, you know, it's always been constant mentorship. Do you have any mentors that have helped, you know, helped you get to where you are? You know, I didn't. I've been asked that and I was kind of in shock because I preach mentorship left and right. And no one had asked me that. And I was just like, I can't think of one actual human being that was a mentor. I don't know where the motivation came from. Um, but as I got motivated, of course, I started reading books and watching videos. And Tony Robbins was a big influence on me. And Brian Tracy was a big influence. Yeah. And, 
Um, you know, I read books by like John Maxwell and just even real estate books, Rolf DeRuz and mm -hmm. Gary Keller. But in person, I didn't have a lot. Like now I'm really close with like uh, Greg Reed and I'm, yeah. and I'm intertwined in his circle. So I got friends like Greg and Nick Halleck and Brian Sadorsky, who's, you know, a billionaire real yep. estate guy. And so uh, a lot of these people I, I kind of look at as, you know, but, but we're also kind of mentors for each other. So a lot yeah, of them, the mastermind that, principle. Yeah, a lot of them who are uh, crushing it in, in this area. Um, I'm crushing it in something over here that, you know, from they'll, they'll ask me for advice on for yeah. different things. So we're kind of like, yeah, mentors to each other or, or like mastermind. But yeah, yeah, I feel like maybe if I did have that, that mentor, I would have excelled a lot faster. Well, it's funny that you brought up reading because, uh, we had, um, well, we had a couple guests that have talked about like how reading is so important, but do you know who freeway Rick Ross is? The yeah. Dr drug dealer. Yeah, the original when, Rick Ross. Yes. The real, the real, Ross, the real freeway Rick Ross. Yeah. The ra who tried to sue the rapper Rick Ross and he yeah. lost that in court. Yeah. But yeah, freeway, freeway Rick Ross. Um, I mean, he, he understood like so much and it was kind of like his, he had goals and he put together a business. Now, of course it was an illegal business. It was the drug trade. Yeah. But, um, what I, what I respect about him is, uh, there wasn't as much violence in the trade. He was anti-violence. Yeah. Would, he would not retaliate even though he had the resources and the people to retaliate to where he could just annihilate, uh, annihilate other, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, other drug gangs and people who were trying to challenge him. He would just let that stuff go. He's like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm trying to sleep good at night. I'm trying to, you know, grow well, this business. Well, he was sitting right here like what, a month ago, month and a half ago. He, he, he was on the podcast. And one thing that he said about reading when I asked him about mentorship and he brought up reading and he was like, man, cause he didn't know how to read when he went into prison. He had no idea how to read. He taught himself how to read through like newspapers and then eventually started reading books. And he was like, man, man, I better not tell anybody about this reading stuff. It's like a cheat code. He's like, it took this person that wrote this book 40 years to learn this. And I get to exactly. read it in like a day. I mean, that's, exactly. a, that's so, so you did have mentors just yeah, yeah. in written form. No, hundred percent. And that's, and that's the whole thing. Like there's no excuses. Oh, there's no one in my neighborhood that's ever done what I want to do. Yeah. But there's probably someone in the world who has the skills who took 40 years of perfected that skills and put it in a book to save you yeah. 30 years. Yeah. And you can learn it all by, by reading that book. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just crazy the way he broke it down. When he said that, I remember sitting like, like being like, Oh my God, like why have I not spent? Cause I used to, when I was a kid, dude, I read so much mm. two books a day. Sometimes I would yeah. just read for eight hours in a day. Like I, I don't know, you know, maybe phones and technology kind of took that away. But, uh, you know, it's like, fuck, like, well, it, it, it's taken it away, but it's also enhanced it because you could throw an audio book on, right? Which a lot of them you can find for free on YouTube or at least a, a complete breakdown of the book on yes. YouTube. Yeah. Like I remember whenever I wanted to, to get uh, one of my mentors, Brian Sadorsky, who he says every time he speaks, he talks about think and grow rich and how he was exposed to it. And he failed fifth grade and then it took him three years to graduate 12th grade. Damn. And so he's like, I don't know. 19 years old, 20 years old when he's graduated high school. Right. So yeah. they always told me he's a failure. He's going to be stupid. He's never going to amount to nothing, never going to have money, but he got exposed to the think and grow rich practices, did the junior achievements, which is based on that. And he did well as a team leader and that gave him the confidence. And then, you know, now he's a billionaire, but 
he's always talking about how every time he reads Think and Grow Rich, he makes a million dollars. And he's read it at least 500 times. And then people are like, oh, so you're worth 500 million? He's like, no, I'm worth a lot more than that, but yeah. I make <laughs> at least a million dollars every time I read the book. And so but he kept talking to me about a different book, Maximum Achievement. And so I remember I just went on YouTube and they had the whole book kind of broken down into like a, a 45 minute breakdown of the highlights of the book. And I yeah. learned a lot just from listening to that YouTube video. Yeah. He kept bringing it up, kept bringing it up. I hadn't read the whole book yet. And I said, okay, if you could recommend one book to your grandson, who he has one grandson that's super ambitious and I've hung out with him before. We went and see the Razor House. And oh yeah, oh yeah, damn. I was yeah, hoping damn. he would buy it and then I could like take care of it. The one Alicia Keys owns. Yeah, that's what, my, yeah. That's and dream Swiss Beats, right? Yeah. Swiss Beats, yeah, 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 they're married. And so we're in that house and he hated it. You know, I'm in love with this. It's the house that Iron Man, which most of the Iron Man house is CGI. Who was the agent that sold that house? Um, he was a client. Um, yeah, the guy who owns it, it lives in Florida, but the agent who owns it uh, or who sold it, yeah, I, I talked he was to him. a customer of I was mine. talking Ooh. to him from time to time. Oh, I can't remember his name. His name is in my phone. I know I have it saved in there. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Anyway, he said, uh, I said, if you could recommend one book to your grandson, would it be Think and Grow Rich or Maximum Achievement? And he said Maximum Achievement. Really? Yeah. He, and I'm like, is it by Napoleon Hill? No, Maximum Achievement is by Brian Tracy, who's also a San Diego dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who he's become friends with, both named Brian. So what's the difference? What's, what's... Maximum Achievement, it's, it's more modern. It's broken down and more easier to understand terms. Yeah. And now there's um, a lot of science that proves all the stuff that back then it was kind of woo woo. Yeah. You told people like the most important thing to be successful is desire. What? Like yeah. first time I read the book, I put it down and I was like, this is a stew. Everyone's raving about this book. I think I was 24 when I first read it. Yeah. It's like this book makes no sense. To I was very practical, logical, like give me instructions on what to go do. And, and another chapter is about faith, like faith. Oh, what does that even mean? Like right. it was just, but later on, when I saw the secret, yeah, and they actually said, you know, frequency, you can tune into a country station and you'll never hear hip hop, right? You can tune into it. The, they can measure your brainwaves. They can yes. put you under whatever they got that measured brainwaves, cat scans and those little things that connect your and you could pretend like, you can imagine that you're doing your sport. They did this to Olympians. Yep. And most Olympians do this regularly. They imagine themselves winning. They, you know, fighters do it. They imagine their hand being raised. Yeah, Conor McGregor talking about, I mean, yeah. his fight against, I think it was Aldo that he predicted exactly how it would happen and yeah. it did, you he know? He sent a text to Hans Mollenkamp saying exactly what he was gonna do. Damn. And like Hans like showed it on his story. I remember seeing that. He yeah. Was like first round. Uh, right hook or whatever it was and he was just like you know within one minute something crazy. like crazy and so um yeah when they when they broke it down like you can't see radio waves you can't see microwaves but it's cooking your food can't see electricity can't see like right now can yeah. you but and once they break it down to the science that your thoughts go out and they interact with all these other frequencies of the universe and they they're creating things just like they're creating a cooked burrito that was once frozen, just like they're creating hip hop music on this channel. You know, yeah. you can create all of that through the frequency. So once there was science behind it, I went back and read Think and Grow Rich and it, and it was life changing. But, um, but maximum achievement it's it breaks it down in very tangible steps and exercises of what you can do on the spot. Okay. And so it's one of my favorite books now. I'm going to order this book right, yeah. right after we get done with this. I think it, so many people have read multiple Brian Tracy books and like there was this guy who had a very successful podcast. Lots of people were on his page, you know, commenting and he had a 
pretty big Instagram following. And he was talking about a book he read by Brian Tracy and I recommended Maximum Achievement. He DM'd me back right away. He's like, you recommend that? I was like, you've been reading Brian Tracy books and you haven't read this one? This is like, from hey, what I hidden, understand. Hidden I gem read, then, that's I good. haven't read all of his books, but from what I understand, it's the Holy Grail. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna read it. Well, cool, Jason. Thank you so much for coming down. I Thanks appreciate it. We're me, we're gonna have to do a round two now that we we you know normally I don't interview people I don't like know that yeah. well and we you know I mean we knew each other kind of but yeah. but now that we know each other we're gonna have to do another one and we'll go deep on this stuff now that I know kind of where we can go man. with it. So many so many topics and stuff that we could have got into, but we, yeah. we could save it for part two. Yeah, cool. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah. When is your next epic fighting event? Next epic fighting event is February twenty third. And if you're listening to this and you ever want to get tickets to go to epic fighting, just go to epicfighting.com. It's all there. Or if the Instagram is just at epic fighting, you'll okay. see all the updates on the stories and stuff like that. And if you want to follow me, it's Jason O. Stewart, S T E W A R T. And uh, I have all of my businesses on my profile from Stewart Estates Real Estate to Epic Exotics, car rentals and sales uh, to the fighting, which is Epic Fighting. So it's all and I share everything on the daily on my on my story. So yeah, you'll always yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. Very uh, open book. I love it. Guys, yeah. uh, go to the description of this, wherever you're listening to this or watching, we're going to put all of his links in the description, follow him, go support Epic fighting, please. February 28th. You said February 23rd, February 23rd. Uh, I will be there as long as I'm in town. I, I will be at your next event and I'll go support because, uh, yeah, I really want to be there for that. really exciting. You'll enjoy it. Cool. I'm I, excited. I can never explain it, but every, I, it's the same reaction to everyone who goes the first time holy crap i had no idea it was like this i was like you can't put this into words do you agree and they're always like yeah you, people told me it was fun people told me the energy was this and that but once you're there you you're like oh okay i would have never understood it until i came so we built something that's i think uh very unique and it's uh very life-changing and how we talk about energy yeah the energy there is just really intense it vibrates through your body in a good way it's epic Super epic. Dude, thanks for coming down. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you.